so yeah, neither my husband or I had lived outside of Utah for for our growing up life. We were both just stayed in the same house until we married each other and then moved into a different house. So neither of us had. And when we moved to Denver for his master's, we both kind of looked at each other and went, if we didn't go to church, no one would know. So what are we going to do? <laughs> oh, we had to make that decision. What are we going to do? Because no one would know. No one's, I mean, like my parents would have found out eventually, but <laughs> I think. I think it was it was sort of a turning point for me because it was like I, we just both of us had just gone to church with our families always and my husband returned missionary and just you know done those things and so we had to make that decision oh, well, are we going to go or not and we went we still go <laughs> so Welcome to another episode of The Cultural Hall. Thankful for all of you that have found yourself here, uh, whether it's your first time or whether you are a lifer or you are a convert to The Cultural Hall. I just want to say thank you. I want to let those that this may be their first episode uh, know that The Cultural Hall is a positive, a pro-church uh, show available in podcast form. We're grateful that you've found your place here. We talk about all sorts of things, but at the end of the day, uh, we are folks that go to church and believe uh, the doctrine, and we're grateful that you are here with us. If you ever like to get in touch with us, contact at theculturalhall.com is the email address where you can find us. If you'd ever like to interact with us on social media, you can find us on all social media platforms at the cultural hall and. As always, we'd love it if you'd like to join us on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. I've been doing some cool things with some of the money that we've got from that, being able to reach out and find more people who might like this show. So if you have an inkling, you've thought, oh, man, you know, I've been meaning to do that Patreon thing, uh, do it. And uh, don't forget that if you join the uh, celestial level, that is the $25 a month, you get that shout out at the end. Uh, we have two more slots available for that, and if we fill up those slots, I just want everyone to know, we will stop doing the recorded commercials within each of the episodes. Now, now here's the thing. I have to give uh, love and admiration and adoration to those sponsors, but it won't be the same recorded sponsor every week. So if that's of interest to you, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. Maybe you just want to listen to this episode where I interview Abby Turner. Okay. Okay. You can have that. Let's, let's do that. Here you go. It's time for another episode of the cultural hall and already full of new experiences. Uh, we're recording this over Zoom, so let me take this opportunity to tell you to become a Patreon saint, uh, where Zoom just informed us this is being recorded, so you'll you'll be able to catch the video if you are a Patreon saint. Go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. I know what you're saying. You're saying, but who is the guest? Maybe I want to watch it. Maybe I don't. Uh, it's Abby Turner. Now, you may hear that and think... I don't have any idea who that is. And, and for all intents and purposes, uh, maybe you shouldn't know who she is. But let me tell you just a couple things that I know about her. I know that we've known each other for almost, I want to say two decades, actually, as I kind Probably. of count time. Yeah. And <laughs> and at one point, almost could have been my sister, uh, Abby, <laughs> welcome to the cultural hall. <laughs> Thank you very much. So uh, <laughs> I want to save for a little bit about how you were almost my sister-ish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but let's get to know let's get to know you a little bit about uh tell me a little bit about yourself yes yes um so yeah i um i well i don't know where to start that start at like the beginning broad question your, your your mom and your dad they loved yeah. each other very much loved and each they... other very much and i was the first child that came from that love yes no <laughs> i was i was raised in salt lake city utah and um married my husband there we've been married for almost 20 years we have a big anniversary coming up um we have three kids i have girl boy girl and they keep us busy mostly because i like to put them in all the things that mm-hmm. kids could possibly do um is it at, is it at their request or is it at your request that they be involved in all of those both. Uh-huh. Yeah, a little bit of both. I require a physical activity of some sort out of each child and a musical instrument out of each child. Mm. <laughs> so my oldest um, does ballet and loves it and wants to do it as a career. So we put a lot of time and energy into that. She's 15 and she plays the cello as well. Wow. And then my, wow. my son is in the middle. He's 12. He does swim team, but he also really loves to run. So we'll probably get him into cross country. And he plays the guitar. And my a 10 year old girl she does gymnastics and she plays the piano so i i would be curious before we get to know more about you etc that's an interesting parenting thing to say you know <laughs> what you have to play an instrument and you have to you know you have to do something physical what if i just was like willing to play outside or go hiking or you know where does that where does that come from is that faith that instructs that or is that just like this is good clean living to do these things yeah <laughs> it's probably i think playing outside is great and sometimes i worry that i don't my kids don't have time for that um i think a lot of it is the way my mom raised me she gave me lots of opportunities to increase talents and i feel like my talents the things i did when i was a kid directly influence what i'm doing now as an adult so i just have a really strong a desire to do that for my children as well. Um, but I definitely believe in good, clean fun. We're in the summer right now. They just finished school on Friday. So they'll be a little more relaxed in the Turner household. <laughs> Get outside and play. <laughs> so so uh, tell me a little bit about uh, how you met your husband and, not, and all that stuff. Yeah, we met on a blind date. That my happens, neighbor, huh? Yeah, it does happen. Every once in a while, my neighbor across the street worked with him at a baby store. I can't remember the name. It was in Foothill. Anyway, Salt Lake people. Um, They were, they worked in a baby store and she lined me up with him and I had mononucleosis, (laughs) not from kissing boys, although I did like to kiss boys. Um, But (laughs) I was doing, I was doing a lot of musical theater and so I was very busy um, and I had no time for him and I was sick. But he was really patient and he just said, well, let's just meet for lunch, which I thought I could fit in. So we did. And he, he brought me flowers so I would know who he was. It was cute. And then he just kind of hung around. He didn't push me or try to really force himself on me. He just kind of mm-hmm. quietly hung around in the background and, and just stayed present. And he was really nice to my single mom, which meant a lot to me. And um, he just became my best friend. And then it was just like, well, let's do this. So that was that. <laughs> yeah, that's how we that's how we trick you. We we are really kind to you, and then uh, and then we're just like, and we're still here. And then you're like, well, I mean, I guess I guess that's how we'll do it. We'll, uh, I mean, you're there. I love the two also that. Well, I gotta eat, so I guess we could hang out because I I do have to eat. 
That was pretty much what it was. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I know, uh, from what I know about you, that your husband is in the military. When you guys were dating, uh, first sort of courting and figuring all that stuff, pre-marriage, was that something that was a consideration uh, for him and his life? Not at all. We have a, a kind of an untraditional path into the military. Um, and a huge part of the reason why I'm here with you, which is part of my story. So he's a social worker. And um did that he got his master's in social work and and social work jobs are often on the chopping block for um funding so he went through i mean he had a job every two years he was in a new job and sometimes we had to move because of that job and we were always wondering about our insurance benefits and he was always having to start over with vacation hours which drove me crazy because i love to travel um and it was just, it was hard. And so he, he kept looking into the military um, a couple of times to pay off student loans, but they weren't always hiring social workers. Um, and finally it got, it got pretty bad. He, we went through a period of him being unemployed for quite a while. Um, he was with a company that he just, they went down and he went down with the ship mm. and um, it was, it was tough. And so he finally got into the air force and it was his whole demeanor just changed because I think he was worried about our financial situation. There's a lot of pressure put on guys to be, I mean, he was, I was making some money, um, but much less than he was. And so it was tough and, and he was so happy. It, it was, it just changed everything. And so I think, um, so that was 10 years after his master's that he joined. We were 35 when he joined, which is really different than a lot of people do. Some people are retiring from the military when they're 35 yeah. and we were like, we're starting. <laughs> but, um, but it's been a great experience for us. And we hope that we will be able to retire from the military and um, take our kids along for the ride. It's been great. But one of the things that comes from being in the military is that you don't really get a choice as to where you're going to go. So as you mentioned at the very top of this and the way that we know each other is from being here in the state of Utah, you're, you're mid-30s. This is the time when you're buying the maybe not the forever home, but like the for a real good long time home through kids through high school kind of thing. And it is this huge thing. Again, you're you know you're making the choice for stability, and it's like the military, and then the military yeah. says, "Hey, guess what, Turner family, you're going <laughs> to," and then it's up and out. Talk about that experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You are so right. It does seem very ironic that we wanted stability and we joined the military, but there's a lot of things about the military that's very stable. Josh signs a contract every four years. And sometimes with that comes a bonus and social workers don't get a whole lot of bonuses. They don't make a ton of money. And not that we're like rolling in the dough, but we, you know, it helps. <laughs> and um, so we do feel financially stable. They've got wonderful medical benefits. Um, we don't have to pay for anything. We just show up at the doctor and they take care of us um, because we are pushed around a little bit through life. Um, so you get some benefits and you give up some benefits. We give up being by our family um, and we are, we don't get to choose where we live. He does have what they sometimes refer to as a dream sheet. And you can load that with the places that you would, you would like to live, but that doesn't mean they're going to send you there, but it has provided, provided us some opportunities that we would never have had if he'd been a social worker in Utah. 
So one, social workers are stuck to a state's license. So if you want to live in a different state, you have to apply for a license elsewhere, which maybe is extra education, maybe extra money, whatever. I don't know if states are different. So we've actually been able to travel and see other parts of the world. We lived for three years in Japan and it was amazing. And we would have never been able to do that if he wasn't in the military. I personally think it's a great thing for our children. Um, they understand that they have to be each other's best friends because when they move, um, they, they leave their friends behind, which is always hard. We're always, we're always going through losses um, and that's tough, but I think it makes them stronger and it makes us as a group of five really strong because we just have each other sometimes until we get reintegrated into a new place. Um, they're pretty friendly kids. They kind of just, let's play with whoever's around. Um, I think we see different cultures, different way of doing things. We're in a community right now that's very Christian and the service that happens in our town is amazing by the, by the other churches. And we just like to jump right in and we like to say, well, we're members of the church of Jesus Christ. And we talk about the differences in our faith and it's, it's great. I just don't know that we would have had some of these experiences if we'd stayed in one house for our whole kids raising life. Which is an experience a lot of people have. They have that, you know, the, that one town. Uh, even when I tell people that I moved like five times before I turned 18, they're like, oh, yeah, military, you moved around. I'm like, no, it's like a five-mile radius all within <laughs> each other. I could still hang out with the same friends and I'll be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, tell me where you're at right now. We are in Enid, Oklahoma, which I didn't even know existed until we moved here. But um, it's a small town. It's about two hours out, uh, two hours east no west two hours west of oklahoma city and really it's kind of a military town there there is a pilot training base here so the pilots that want to start with the air force it's their first stop to be here and then from there they they go to other pilot training places and we are one of the few medical people that aren't pilots here so <laughs> You get the opportunity then, and I want to pick up some of the other pieces, and we may do that here in a minute, but you do get the opportunity to see the church in different places like Japan, like there in Oklahoma and, and other places along the way. What are some things that you've sort of gained from, from that, um, that opportunity? Yeah, well, definitely in Japan, your church family was your ward family because nobody has family there. I mean, people have family here in Oklahoma. We've got a mix of military families in our ward and then just people who live in Oklahoma all the time. So we do have a mix there. Um, but in Japan, we were it. It was, we were family. We went to each other's baptisms. We went to each other's baby blessings. You know, we saw each other around base and um, we could really support each other. And you definitely feel a ward family perspective because no one's going just grandma's house for Sunday dinner, you know? <laughs> so it becomes pretty important that way. And you, you create some really strong friendships that I think have sticking power, even after, after you've left each other behind. I just, I just love the fact that the church is the same everywhere. I mean, we just show up and we know that there's going to be a ward somewhere and you just join right in, you know? <laughs> I would venture to guess that that is different than the experience that you had when you were uh, living in the state of Utah. How was that for you to adjust from here in Utah or anywhere that the church is fairly prominent where it's like, well, we kind of go there on Sunday and all of our neighbors are this and we sort of, it, it, we kind of keep it 
not secret and not even a sacred thing, but we just compartmentalize it where it's like, this is where it is. And then we, we church here in this space and, mm-hmm. and all that. What is that like for you to break down those barriers and go, oh, I guess if I'm going to have anyone in my life, it's going to be these people and, and just embrace them all. Yeah, well, two things probably. I definitely think I talk about the church way more being outside of Utah than I did inside Utah. And I don't know why that is. It's just somehow it's easier for me to just be like, well, we go to this church. And I never said that in Utah. I don't know. I just felt like, I mean, I grew up in Salt Lake. So the predominant religion in my area was was the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so I don't, I don't know why I wouldn't talk about it, but I didn't. But I do now. I talk about what we do all the time now to our neighbors of other faiths and stuff. I don't know. The other thing that I we felt, and this was pre-military, but so yeah, neither my husband or I had lived outside of Utah for for our growing up life. We were both just stayed in the same house until we married each other and then moved into a different house. So neither of us had. And when we moved to Denver for his master's, we both kind of looked at each other and went, if we didn't go to church, no one would know. So what are we going to do? <laughs> oh, we had to make that decision. What are we going to do? Because no one would know. No one's, I mean, like my parents would have found out eventually, but <laughs> I, think, I think it was, it was sort of a turning point for me because it was like, we just, both of us had just gone to church with our families always. And, and my husband returned missionary and just, you know, done those things. And so we had to make that decision. Oh, are we going to go or not? And we went, we still go. (laughs) Spoiler, they still go to church. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Yeah. we're still in. (laughs) I want to take a break. I want to take a break real quick. And when we come back, uh, I want to, first of all, I'll address the question of how we almost became brother and sister. And then I want to talk about, (laughs) You, because, uh, but because, and I don't know why, but I, I observe this when I talk uh, with women in particular. Women will talk about everyone but themselves, and you managed <laughs> to talk about your husband, and you managed to talk about your kids, and you haven't talked about you, which is the reason why you are here in this episode. So we'll do all that coming back in the second half. Okay. <laughs> Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. I get a lot of emails from people all the time. Here's one. Dear Dan, I hear your talk about a lifetime service guarantee. Free? Really? Please help me avoid all your fine print and be honest about what free means. You understand that we should be very wary of a free offer? Signed, Skeptical. Hi, Skeptical. I remember 22 years ago when we started PC Laptops and our lifetime service guarantee... People thought it was too good to be true. Well, you know, after a decade, people started believing me a little bit. But you know, it's been 22 years of having the privilege to serve our friends and neighbors like you. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC laptops desktop computer for $7.99 with a lifetime warranty. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. Here's to seeing you soon, skeptical. 
Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second half, uh, talking with Abby Turner, uh, I would remind everyone that you can always email us, contact at theculturalhall.com. Whether you think that uh, you should be an episode of The Cultural Hall or you know someone, you've read a book you saw a uh, YouTube video, you're watching a series, whatever the thing is, uh, you think, hey, that would be a great guest uh, or interview for The Cultural Hall. Encourage you to send those along. It's contact at theculturalhall.com. A huge thanks to the folks over on Instagram at Utah Taste Off for sponsoring our email. Abby and I almost became brother and sister because Abby's mom really likes me. And and when I say really likes me, like there's people that are super kind to me that are like, you are so great and and I appreciate what you do and those kind of things. And and I love that. And that's great. And and this will sound this. I don't know. This whole thing sort of sounds odd. But but Abby's mom and forgive me, I can't remember her name off the top of my head right now. Gail. 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 Mm-hmm. Gail loves me so much that in a time <laughs> when uh, I was not any more married to my uh, my ex-wife, Gail said, hey, if you need a place to stay, you can come <laughs> stay with us. A- and I and I sort of took it like, uh, you know, oh, that's a very kind gesture or whatever. And then when I saw her again, she said, the room is ready and prepared. We've tried to, you know, make it ready for a man to be able to stay there if you would like to come and stay. And I and, you know, I didn't end up doing that. But I think in some way that would have made us brother or sister if I would have stayed in the home, Absolutely. which, as I understand it, is still the home that you were raised in as well. Yes. Yes. She, she, uh, so she was, it's it's a duplex. My grandfather built the duplex and she was raised on one half. Mm -hmm. Then she got married to my dad. They went off to medical school. They came back. He got sick and died of cancer and she stayed in that other half. So she's lived in that house since 1952. She's lived there for a long time. Yeah. And and part of me, uh, uh, hoping that Gail, of course, listens to her daughter's episode of the Cultural Hall. Part of me, Gail, uh, wishes that I would have taken you up on it just to see what that would have been like <laughs> and to be able to have that experience. If there's if there's a life lesson that that I, I look back on, it's not the only one, Gail, that I look back on, but it is one of the ones that I look back and go, yeah, what, what if I would have just said, yeah, let's yeah, let's, sure, let's do that. Let's see what watch. happens. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, all right, Abby, it's time for you to do the uncomfortable, which it seems for you, which is talk a little bit about yourself. Tell me, uh, as you, obviously, we, we can fill in a couple roles, uh, a tremendous support to a husband who found his way through a master's degree, which is, you know, that's being a champion, uh, along with that raising three kids and mandating a musical instrument as well as physical activity. That's no, you know... That's no walk in the park, but you yourself have been doing some pretty interesting things, and I hope we could get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just as much as 
I support my husband. I feel like he supports me. When he was losing his job and we were we were in dire straits, um, we had decided that I needed to get yoga teacher training. So I have I have always taught. Well, I used to teach ballet. I've always taught physical movement. I should say. I did not do my degree in dance education, which I should have. I wish as an 18 year old, I had understood the paths that I could have taken, but I didn't. Um, So I just always kind of taught ballet on the side. Um, So I never made a whole lot of great money in it, um, but I loved it and and I'm good at it. So I decided that I needed to get some kind of certification that gave me some credentials and some uh, recognition. So my husband's job was going under and I said, hey, what if I take this teacher training program, which was in Provo, Utah, 3B Yoga Studio. And he said, sure, let's do it. Because if I get into the military, you can teach yoga wherever, wherever we live. So I did. And um, it, it cost a bunch of money. We had to get childcare, which cost money. But we, I did it anyway. And I've been teaching ever since. So that was about nine years ago when I got my teacher training and have been able to teach every place that we have lived. Um, There's a universal language to yoga called Sanskrit. So I was able to teach it in Japan to Japanese people. And I trained a bunch of Japanese ladies who wanted to be teacher trainers. That was a pretty amazing experience. And we did have a language barrier because I speak very little Japanese, but Sanskrit kind of bridged the gap. It was great experience. Um, So then, uh, COVID happened and yoga was badly hit because uh, in yoga, you adjust people's bodies. You touch their bodies and you pull them, them back. I used to put essential oils on people's foreheads. So you're, you're touching and you're sweating and and you're, and you're in a small, confined space. <laughs> and you're in a space. small, confined space. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things happened all at once. COVID happened and my husband deployed. And this weird thing happens when you have a deployment and you're left behind. You sort well, you fall apart, first of all, for a little while. (laughs) And then you go, wait a minute, I've got to do something while he's off doing something. Because he was in Africa having all these amazing experiences. And here I am in Enid, Oklahoma, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. But with three kids and trying to not die because I'm not teaching yoga. So I got online and I do yoga online now. I have a yoga studio called Yoga Traveler and um, I produce online programs for people who, one, don't want to leave their house because of COVID. Now that's changing a little bit, but it's still all out there. Um, A lot of people maybe can't go to a on like in-person class. I've lived in areas where they don't have a whole lot of yoga options. overseas potentially if you don't have a yoga teacher that moves on to base then you don't have yoga (laughs) so so you you have to find other avenues for for your physical um physical whatever so and I also just the emotional benefits of yoga have been huge especially while on deployment so now I teach in person and I teach online and it's, it's great. And eventually I want to move to almost exclusively online because we move every three years. And I always have to look for a job, which I've been able to find, but it's a pain. And I always have to get people to know me again. And, and if I could just gather people up and teach them online, I don't ever have to say goodbye to them. <laughs> 
I've heard from so many people that the engagement with yoga, um, even though it's sort of Eastern tradition, when we combine it with uh, with Christianity or the opportunity of meditation or just contemplation, that it can really become a spiritual experience. I've never had that. Uh, whenever I go, I'm always focused on like, I'm supposed to do what now? Oh, now we're moving. I just barely got the last thing. Um, but I would be curious as you, as you've sort of engaged in doing a lot of, uh, like the yoga, the, the different things around that, like how, how have they impacted you, uh, in a spiritual way or connected you with others in a spiritual way? Oh, hugely. Um, I went through a period of my life when I felt quite guilty for teaching yoga because it would pull me away from the kids. I've always liked teaching yoga because I can kind of adjust my schedule to theirs, but I still had mom guilt. It's, I don't know, it's hard. Um, and I went through a period of time where I felt like I was doing the wrong thing. And, but then I have had, I've gotten over that, (laughs) (laughs) but but I have had supreme spiritual, just testifying that I mean, I try to teach people how to take care of their bodies. What have we been given by the Lord? Our bodies. Why do we think that we just can abuse our bodies? And and if we're injured, how are we going to get better? I mean, I teach people who I have a stroke victim. I teach her and we we deal with her balance. We deal with how she walks. What if she couldn't walk? I mean, come on, like we have these bodies. It's one of our challenges. It's one of our blessings. We have to know how to take care of them. And when, when I'm teaching somebody how to take care of themselves, I feel like that is a God-given gift. And if I didn't use that to benefit others, I would be squandering that gift. So I just, my, my challenge is just to find a balance between mom life and yoga life, because I really can't, I sort of where I have to, I have to turn off mom life when I'm teaching. <laughs> I can't do it all in my head. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's it's uh it's such a funny thing because you know we hear so often right about the the either mom guilt or the mom balance or the dad guilt or dad balance and all these things and and people are like how do you get that perfect work life balance and I think the answer is no you don't you try the you best you can and then you it's hope hard. that you did you look at your kids and you say listen I'm really Really sorry because I know I've done several things that are wrong and they go yeah we don't I don't know I was playing I didn't notice that you did any of that stuff but that we just yeah. really try and do the best that we can well and I feel like I feel like moms and dads too but I can just speak for myself they bring to their kids the talents that they have if if I didn't show to my kids hey this is something that you can develop and keep developing your entire life what do they think like I did go through a period I mean I got into yoga <laughs> after the birth of my third child, I was hugely depressed. I, I used to move a lot. I used to do a lot of physical, I was doing cardio stuff, which I actually really hate now, but I did at the time. And, and I just stopped everything because all of a sudden we were outnumbered. We had three kids and there's two parents. And, and I thought, well, there's no way I can do anything for me now. Cause that would be horrible if I ever took care of myself. So I was hugely depressed. And my husband said, you need to, you need to move. You need to go move. You need to, (laughs) you need to do some endorphin work, you know? And, and they had a yoga class at eight 30 at night. I could feed my baby. My husband was home and I could go to class. And it was like immediate. The first class I 
just was like, well, I'm never doing cardio. Go oh, cardio again for one, because I hate cardio and I will never stop doing yoga. And it was, I, I mean, I just feel like you just have to figure out how to check all the boxes and it's hard. It's a balancing act, but isn't that what's life all about? I mean, we have to figure it out as we go along. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, it's just so remarkable to hear kind of the journey that you have laid out where you're like, yeah, you know, we didn't, I didn't know I was marrying a military guy. And then, you know, we find, <laughs> we find our way through and we adapt and, and we're able to move and adjust this. And, and I know this episode, especially as people are listening, they're like, this episode is different than a lot of, uh, than a lot of some of the episodes that we have. But I, but what I really love about it is, um, first of all, just sort of your commitment to, and I love how you pictured it where, you know, when you and your husband sort of moved away and you don't have the expectations from anyone else anymore and you just sort of make the decision, like, are we doing this? Do we believe this? You can hear the commitment that you've had to just be able to, you know, to find and figure your place within the church in the different places that you've lived. And then also just a, a lesson for resiliency um, with and with without the church, Right. Not not that you weren't a part of the church, but I mean within the church, but also um, outside of the church to to just say, yeah, you know what? Hard. <laughs> Every, yeah. Anyone listening to this feel like life has been hard? Everyone raises their hand yeah. <laughs> and, and, and allows us the opportunity to just hear, you know, your individual story of re- resiliency and how, you know, it's it's inventing and changing and going, yeah, this, oh, no, not that. And, oh, I... I I've just, it's just been sort of fascinating and inspiring to hear. Good, good. I, I definitely believe that, um, that, that we are supposed to have challenges in life and, but we're not left alone here. I mean, I think if we pay attention, like I said, I've had times when I felt like, oh, I'm teaching too much yoga. Then the next day I have this vision from God about how I can help a person. I just don't think that you can ignore those things. You just, you have to recognize them and you have to know that these are gifts that the Lord wants us to use. I would be curious, you mentioned that that for a while you sort of leaned away from the yoga after doing it and, and then had sort of circled back to it. Have you ever in in kind of the work balance, the the life, the you know, the wife, the whatever the kind of balance or wherever this might apply, had it where you feel like God is telling you to to do one particular thing and you just haven't done it and he's like, No, really, Abby, gonna need you to do this and you're like, Yeah, yeah, sure. And then you finally kind of you know, acquiesced and, and went along with it. And what was that experience like? Well, it's maybe a little different than you said. I didn't really lean away from yoga what happened was i felt i felt really guilty and i stopped praying Mm. because i was afraid that the lord was going to tell me to stop teaching yoga and um i stopped praying for a long time it was it was strange it's probably the first time i'd ever felt felt like this um before and and i one day i was just talking to my mom and she's pretty amazing she's a single mom she was my dad died when he was 31. So she's been single for way longer than they were ever married. Um, and she just said, Abby, you don't need to pray to ask if you should teach yoga, just pray to be able to bear it. And I was like, really, that's it. That's all I have to do. And so I started praying again and I just said, Hey, help me make it through this day because I've got to teach three classes and then my kids come home from school or whatever. And, um, 
that's that's how I pray now. I don't pray to remove yoga from my life because I know it's not going to work. I, I wouldn't be a whole person if I did. So I think I do have a phrase in my patriarchal blessing that says to take advantage of the opportunities that are given you. So I've, I've tried each place we've moved. I've tried to think about, okay, with regards to yoga and my teaching profession, what is my challenge here in this place for teaching yoga? And it's been pretty distinct. Um, in Las Vegas, I had to teach whoever walked in the door. And so I had to really learn how to teach levels. So you start someone here and then you say, but if you, if you want a little more, you do this. If you want a little more, you do this to make everyone feel comfortable. In Japan, I had to teach people who spoke a different language. So that was huge. And I did a teacher training program there. Here in Enid, I teach a lot of private lessons. So I get a lot of one-on-one -on -one with people and I can't just teach my plan. I have to teach what works for them. And so to be really adaptable that way. And I started being online and I, I started a business and that has been a huge learning curve for me. Online is way more than I thought. I just thought, oh, sure, I'll throw a couple classes online. Oh, no, no. You have to have a blog, Facebook, Instagram. I do sort of have a podcast. It doesn't really count. I have, um, I've got a website. I've got YouTube. I've, I mean, I have all the things. I never used to do social media ever. And now I'm on it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you think, as you were talking about, like, um, you know the different aspects of 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 your life and the coming up through the through this and using yoga as a parallel and I'm sorry that I keep coming back to it but I but I love the lessons that do sort of parallel with it like um in in the opportunity where you know you're you're able to do one-on-ones with people and you're able to to give and to share with particularly what they need. And so I sort of think of kind of that gospel application of, of being able to, to serve a one-on-one. -on -one. And then I think of like when you're talking about being in a different country where you don't speak the language, but you're able to find a language that, you know, permeates both cultures and, and language understanding and how you're able to continue to teach that. And, and then, you know, being able to, to welcome anyone who comes into the door and meet them where they're at and be able to instruct and have it be beneficial, not only for the, the um, most beginner of that, but also some of the more advanced and the gospel applications and principles that I hear through that. Like, it's just, it just seems like that could parallel and make you a stronger person, both within your yoga and in your faith, like what time and time and time again. Well, I, I definitely think you're right. I think a, a good teacher is not there for themselves. I mean, I certainly go in with a plan because I'm a planner. Mm -hmm. I don't like to be unprepared. But a good teacher has to be able to adapt. I mean, how many, you've been elders, elders quorum teacher before. How many times have you gone in with your manual and then you just like put it aside? Because that's not what everybody else needs to hear. Mm -hmm. So if we're in tune, um, it's not about me. It's about the person standing in front of me. And you have to turn your yourself off. But you learn that a lot in yoga. Yoga is a lot about, I mean, there's no ego. We, I talk all the time about how we don't compare ourselves to other people um, physically, but, but don't we do that in the church? I mean, well, who elder Dorf, stop it. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You know, I mean, I think these principles are, are there. And if you're living the gospel, if you're living your truth, you're going to carry that with you 
into whatever your profession is. It, it, it's one individual's journey, certainly, that we've been sharing, but uh, that I think that and what I love about the Cultural Hall is that we uh, have the opportunity to be able to hear from someone that we say the name and everyone goes, Abby Turner, and, it, and the, the hush falls over the crowd and we go, we know everything about her. Or it's Abby Turner and we go, we don't know who that person is. What, what are we talking to that person about? What are we going to gain? Um, but then we, when we come to you know the sort of end of the conversation, Conversation that we're able to go, all right, what have I been able to, to pick up and be able to learn from, from the things that uh, have been shared and, and really be able to say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I have prayed not to pray before. I have, you know, all of the things. <laughs> there, there are those each and individual things that, you know, this, this thing we called life that we're, that we're all finding our way through and doing the best that we can. It's fun to, to just be able to hear your story. The, the, uh, I would be remiss if I did not ask the golden question, um, which is if people want to be able to uh, either study with you uh, one-on-one, online, be able to read the things, hear what you've got, watch the videos of all the stuff, where can people find more of you that I will put in the show notes? Yes, yes, I'd love them to go probably to my my website would be the number one spot. So it's www.yogatraveler.online. And that's that's my website and all of my programs are there. I do a lot of uh, pre-recorded programs for various um, yoga principles, I guess. I've got a beginner yoga program. I've got yoga for deployment. So I, I made a whole program while I was deployed and while my husband was deployed for other spouses that might be doing the same thing as me. I've done yoga for weight loss. Um, I have an Ashtanga program, which is a power form of yoga. And I've got um, short little programs like meditations. You can get guided meditations. So all that's pre-recorded, And then I do um, live classes. Some people still want some interaction. I totally get it. I do too. And then um, I can do private interactions through Zoom. And I have a couple of, I know people think, how can you do yoga online? But if we set it up, I can see the whole person and I can give you all sorts of critiques <laughs> while I watch you do it. <laughs> yeah, so. people, people would be amazed. What they haven't had the opportunity to hear in the time that we've been chatting is the critiques that uh, Abby has given me as we've been speaking. She's like, sit up straight, now adjust your back. <laughs> you guys haven't been able to hear that, but she's like, all right, now now, now tilt, tilt your shoulders down. <laughs> all of the things. Uh, Abby, we've reached the time and you know that it was coming, uh, where we ask everyone the three questions who steps into the cultural hall. So I'll ask those of you right now. The first question is, is do you have a calling? And if so, what is it? Yes, I'm the primary courser and I just got to do it again today for the first time in over a year. It was amazing. (laughs) It is the coveted calling from many, as you know, from your listening to the cultural hall. My favorite. If you could pick one, uh, whether it be one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Shoot, I forgot to think about this question. I really do love the primary courser, but if I could pick one, I I like to be a Relief Society teacher. I've done that before. I, I, I very much enjoy that. And I've always wanted to pick out the sacrament meeting songs. I've never had that calling and be the the chorister. I I think it would be fun to pick the hymns. <laughs> uh, the final question, you know, you may interpret it however you would like, but the question still remains: What is your favorite part of your faith? I've thought about this one, and um, 
I think most recently it's been the ability that we have to seek personal revelation. Um, I think that our journey is always changing through this life and we just, we just need help sometimes. And the process of being able to seek for priesthood blessings, being able to seek for answers in the scriptures, um, being able to pray and, and get those things, get our questions answered and to try to understand the Lord's will for us. I think that's a pretty amazing experience and a time of much personal growth, which I, I value. But as Abby points out uh, in our conversation, if you ask, he may just tell you, so be prepared for, for what you're asking for. <laughs> we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you will be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chocolate Cakes Bites podcast, Big Mike's products, and a new one, Debbie Wanless. We'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.